Or if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and the last verse, verse 31, then we'll get into 1 Corinthians 13. I've already talked four hours on uh, this chapter, but I didn't get finished, and I can't get anything else on my heart, so I'm going to preach what's on my heart, amen? So if y'all heard any of this before, <clears throat> you stayed awake during the retreat, congratulations, amen? After all that we ate, I'm surprised anybody stayed awake. I told Jason, I said, you know, I'm encouraged only three people fell asleep during your long announcements. So anyway, that's a blessing, amen. And uh, But I hope you'll stay attentive, and uh, I'm not preaching tonight. Dr. Terry Ellis is, and I need to talk to the deacons right after the service real quick about what we need to do for Brother Terry tonight uh, because he's been very sick, and uh, and it's cost him a whole lot of money uh, to get over this COVID, and he has no insurance, so I want to help him, amen. That's the reason I'm having him in to preach. And, but also, he is going to be a blessing, I guarantee you, because God is on this man's life in a special way. Good to have our newest members here, Brother Hunter and Miss Katie. We're going to ask them to come give a word of testimony. Not really. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they were at the retreat, and they were picked on constantly by Brother Jeremy because he wanted to find somebody younger than him and also that hadn't been married as long. And so he just put it on Hunter. And so they're back today. And that's really good, amen. But we welcome our new members. They join Wednesday night. So glad to have them. And I hope that you, they got your picture before the service. And we're going to put that on the post office wall. No, we're going to put it in the hallway under new members, amen, new members. So we're glad to have everybody here this morning and some visitors over here, Brother Al's family. And it's just thrilled to see all of you uh, back in church with us. Y'all know, I know y'all been with us on, on, on the internet. I know that. Every Sunday, I, I hear that, uh, uh, you know, Miss Linda and, and uh, uh, Sister uh, just, you know, they just listen and they and they attentive and Timothy and all of them, amen, and I just thank God for that. And it makes me preach better when I know somebody's listening, amen, and so I just thank God uh, for four folks that's been backing us up by watching every Sunday on the uh, internet, and I'm so glad you're back with us. Uh, this Sunday. It's just so good to see all of you here. Amen. Uh, let's stand on the Word of God. If you can stand, if not, we understand. Just stand in your heart. The Bible says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now, what is that more excellent way? Well, it's what's following. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, that's agape love, God's love, I have become a sounding brass and a temp or a tink tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and I have not charity, God's love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and get this, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me. Nothing. Charity suffereth long. I believe that's another way of saying you're patient with each other. Say amen, couples. Patient with each other. Suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. You ever seen a puffed up Christian? It'd be better you keep your mask on if you're puffed up. <laughs> okay, let's go. Verse five, does not behave itself as seemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, 
thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For, in the, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, oh, folks, that's going to be wonderful. Then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for everyone who's here. It's so encouraging to see people that we love and miss come back to the house of God and fellowship with us. But God, most important of all, to worship with us. God, we worship you as a God that cares and a God that loves. And so God, help us to realize that we don't have to keep that in the sanctuary. We can take the love of God home with us. And I pray, dear God, you'd, you'd, you'd move in our hearts to be yielded vessels of your gracious, loving kindness. We're going to praise you and thank you for what you do in our hearts. And to be one lost, save them this morning because you love them. And you died on the cross in their place. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach a message entitled, What Matters Most? What Matters Most? You know, a lot of times to Baptists, what matters most is the food good. I've heard several compliments this morning. Boy, that food sure was good. Well, what about the teaching? Amen. <laughs> I mean, Brother Jeremy poured his heart in. Miss Rebecca did a wonderful job with the ladies. And it was just a blessing. But what's most important? And folks, I believe that God has been good to us. That's an understatement, isn't it? I believe he's been kind to us. And let me just say this. Listen to me now. I believe he's been uh, loving to us. You know, when you feel like nobody loves you, which they do, that's just the devil's um, camouflage and detour in your life. Somebody loves you. Realize Jesus always loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God's provided the means of salvation. And then God's given us many precious promises. And let me just say this, friend. He stands behind every one of them. By the way, the Old Testament has to do with law and judgment. Wrong. It has to do with the loving kindness of God. He loved us enough to warn us. And he loved us enough to tell us that sin doesn't pay. 175 times the phrase in the Bible is mentioned loving kindness in the Old Testament. Think about that for a second. But if you'll look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14, I don't think you ought to study the Bible out of context, but sometimes we just dwell on 1 Corinthians 13 all the time because it's the classic love chapter. But in chapter 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts 
in the body of Christ for the ministry and worship of the Lord. Look at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. You know, it's exciting uh, when people join our church because they bring their gifts. I'm not talking about money. Get off that. They bring their talents and they bring the gifts of the Spirit that God's blessed them with to be a blessing to the whole body. Amen? We don't, just, we don't get married just to get. We get married to give. And you don't join a church just to get. You join a church to give your gifts uh, to God and profit with all, to edify all, that the body of God uh, the, uh, the body of the church glorifies God. That's what chapter 12 is about. That God gifts us to be a blessing. God gifts us. And man, this church got all carnal and started fussing over the gifts and they started abusing tongues and they started abusing the gift of healing and all the sign gifts. I don't want to go into that, but y'all read 1 Corinthians 14 sometimes and you'll find out that he put an uh, emphasis on preaching and de-emphasized tongue speaking. Amen. And he said it's a sign to the Jew. Amen. I won't get into that. Y'all get into it later. But the greatest, most essential gift, verse 31 says, I show you a more excellent way, and that gift is the gift of love. Folks, God has gifted you with love. And the greatest blessing in your life is that God loves you. And the greatest blessing in your life is that you can love somebody else, not in your own flesh, because that's manipulation. The best you can do in your flesh is manipulate. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But I'll say, friend, when you're full of the Spirit of God, I'll tell you what, the best he can do is love you through that old vessel called humanity. Isn't that a blessing? And I have a, a message I preach often and probably too often. But bring the Holy Spirit home is the title of it. But I'll tell you what, friend, after this retreat this weekend, I believe we ought to bring the love of God home with us. Amen? And the love of God makes a difference, and 1 Corinthians 13 tells us about the love of God. It's the greatest gift. And aren't you glad that he loved you enough to place uh, the Holy Spirit in your life when you get saved? Amen? Can somebody say Amen. I mean, the, you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something, he is the spirit of love. Look at Romans 5, 5. The Bible says, hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you. When do you receive the Holy Ghost? Charismatics have got it all wrong. They think it's some second blessing evidenced by some unknown gibberish. No, I'm going to tell you something, friend. It is at the moment of salvation Romans, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, He baptized you in the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ. That's salvation. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, it's at salvation. Amen. You don't receive God the Father and God the Son and then later on beg for the Holy Spirit to come in your life. When you get saved, you get God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Thank God, friend. I want to tell you something. You have the love of God implanted in your heart the moment you get saved. And if you don't love everybody, it's an evidence that you didn't really get saved. I'll show you that in just a minute. And folks, his love is placed within us. It's given unto us. It's a gift. Aren't you glad? I tell you, when I got married um, 27 years ago, 
I just want to see my wife's expression. 47 years ago, amen? Time, maybe we're getting too old for these retreats. Maybe we ought to stay at home, turn over to Jason. I don't know. But I'll tell you this, friend. 47 years living with this dear lady back here has been a blessing. She was so apologetic all through the thing because I had to wait on her. And so sometimes I didn't wait on her. I let, I let my son take her down the steps and around the back. And she broke her leg and, and she remodeled our door, doorway with her face. And uh, she was in bad shape. And I'll tell you something, nothing could keep her away from supporting her husband on this retreat. I said, honey, I will go by myself. I look like a fruitcake in the wrong box, but I'll go by myself. You don't have to go. He says, she said, I'm going. And I want to tell you something, if she hadn't gone, it would have been a very lonely couple's retreat. Never been on a couple's retreat by myself. I guess she could do that. We're not going to open it for that, but I sure love her. I sure, I sure appreciate her. And I appreciate the way she loves me. But can I say this very clearly? If she didn't have the Holy Spirit in her, she wouldn't love me like she does. And if I didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of me, I couldn't love her like I love her. I just love myself. So that's the problem when you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You're hung up, you're hung up on yourself. And as I teach the last lesson, it's not about you. Marriage is not about you. It's about him. To God be the glory, we're married. And to God be the glory, some of y'all still married. It's only by the grace of God you are, say. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't going to smile. I ain't gonna eat. I'm not either. It's going to look at you like you're looking at me. His love is placed in your heart. You know I'm just kidding. And then number two, his love works in us and displays uh, to a lost and dying world that he's real. John 13, 35. It says, by this shall all men know that we are disciples if we have love one for another. Did you hear that? The world's going to know that you're his disciples when you love the lost. No, it didn't say that. When you love the heathen in Japan. No, it didn't say that. He said when you love one another. Amen. Yesterday I felt real bad, Brother Alex, that I didn't witness those two, that, that couple that was uh, um, not in our group. I felt bad about that. Right after we took pictures, I just walked right by them. I said, man, I just quenched the spirit of God. When I got in the car and left, I said, you know, I, I should I should have witnessed those, those that couple. I really should. I was so mad I didn't witness. I won't go into detail about it. There's a perversion going around that you can't escape. It's everywhere. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's a, it's a slap in God's face. We ought to hate that sin, but we ought to love the sinner. Come on, say amen. I want to tell you something. We live in a wicked day and age where uh, people are changing their gender, killing babies, and loving the same sex. That's a perversion of God, towards God. It makes God angry. Sin does, but we ought to love the sinner. And I want to tell you something, friend. Only... The love of God can help you love sinners. And only the love of God can help you love your husband like you ought to. Only the love of God can help you love uh, your wife like you ought to. Only the love of God can help you love your children 
be patient with them and not give up on them and be the kind of parents that God wants you to be. And folks, when you have that love starting in the home, they will know that you're disciples and they'll know that God is real and that's the bottom line of love. Not for us to enjoy it, but I do enjoy living with Miss Connie. Woo, I just can't imagine being married to anybody else. But I'll tell you this, friend. I enjoy God being glorified and magnified by our oneness. And so we work at it, and we go to these couples' retreat, and the, the guest speakers are, are stepping on our toes, and I'm stepping on my own toes because I need it. Because I'm full of myself sometimes. How about you? I want to live for myself. I want to get my way. I want to manipulate. I want to fuss and fight and be irritable and envious and impatient. Folks, everything that goes on in our life, God's love can take care of it. God's love can take care of it. So be very sure, be very sure you're saved, but be very sure you're filled with the Spirit of God because you cannot live this life in the flesh. You will, you will destroy somebody's life by trying to get significance from them. You'll destroy somebody's life by being totally jealous. You'll be destroying somebody's life when you walk off in the sunset and said, I found somebody else. Only the love of God can keep you faithful. So be very sure that your relationship's filled with the love of God. Say amen. I'm talking about dating and marriage because it ain't worth having without the love of God. Well, I want my way. That's the problem. You want your way. You don't want God's way. That was a problem in Corinth. It was a rebuke chapter. Chapter 12, 13, and 14 was a rebuke chapters. Whew. Let me give you one more verse about the love of God before I get in the message. I feel a series coming on, and you better thank God for it. Amen? Because you don't want me to preach everything I got down on this iPad this morning. We won't have... Supper, <laughs> I mean lunch. First John three fourteen, I love it, brother Gabe. This is one of my favorite verses in First John. You want to know about if you're saved or not? Read First John very carefully and see seven traits of your salvation. And here's one of them. The Bible says we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. I want to say this, I'm going to say it very clearly. I doubt your salvation if you don't want to be around God's people. You say, you shouldn't doubt God's salvation. Okay, I'll fruit inspect then. Amen? I won't pass judgment, I'll just fruit inspect. The fruit of being saved is you ought to love church. The fruit of being saved is you ought to love each other. The fruit of the Spirit of God is that you love one another like Christ loves you. That's why I love these retreats so much. I tell you, I, I hated to leave. I really did. I was dead tired, wore out. I'm going on 70, you know. During vacation Bible school on Thursday, I turned 70. Y'all won't see me around here. I'll be wearing black, mourning. I'll be going, you know. <laughs> I'll be afraid somebody's going to give me some wilted flowers when I get here. I ain't, gonna, I ain't giving you the opportunity, praise God. I'll just stay by myself somewhere. Or I might just get really excited and 
Go eat a steak. But anyway, I want you, I want you to know we, we are passing from death into life, and the evidence is that we love the brother, that the love of God abideth in us. And if we do not love the brethren, we don't love the things of God, it means you've you got the death sentence in your life. Somebody had to rope burn you to come to church this morning, you better check up on your salvation, buddy. You better realize you might not be saved. You might be religious, and religious religion will make you miserable because you can never live up to it. So let's get into this message in 10 minutes. I ain't never quit at 12 o'clock, and I don't plan on starting. Somebody said you ought to plan on starting. But anyway, in chapter 12 through 14. It's written to combat the problem of abuse of spiritual gifts and their usage at church. While we think that these chapters are standalone chapters, they should be read together. Chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts and how they're given and why they're beneficial to the whole body. Matter of fact, verse 11 will kill the charismatic movement in one, one, one verse. It says this but all, in chapter 12. But all these worketh that one and same same spirit, self same spirit, dividing every man, excuse me, severally as he wills. You don't demand for a gift. You don't demand to speak in tongues. You don't demand for a gift of healing. He gives you what he wants to give you. He gives you so you'll fit in. So you'll be a part of the big body of Christ. Amen. Oh, it's so wonderful. And in the midst of chapter 13, he says, uh, in verse 31, I'll show you a more excellent way. and It talks about what, most, what, what matters the most. What matters the most. And let's get into chapter 13 just for a few moments. I want you to see number one, love's distinction. Love's distinction. You know, there's something about Christians that die differently, but thank God that live differently that marry differently, that treat their wife differently, that treat their husband differently, and raise their children differently. If you don't, you don't believe it, then folks, listen. If you take the difference out of Christianity, all you got is an entity. But if you put Christ right in the middle of it, you got love. Love! And folks, there's a distinction about love. And folks, what's distinctive about it is it's superior. Look at verse 1. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I've never seen a cymbal solo. <laughs> I mean, that would be odd. Amen. And by the way, Jeremy opened up for everybody that plays instruments to join the orchestra. If you play the drums, you're not invited. Miss Carolyn says she was going to sign up to play the drums in our, in our orchestra. No, you're not. We ain't having drums. Amen. I'd like to have a little saxophone. That'd be all right. But anyway, listen. Listen to me. It's a sounding brass. It's a tinkling cymbal. Without love, it's just a clanging, clanging, clanging. Your life is out of rhythm without God's love. Amen. Your marriage is definitely out of rhythm. Y'all are clashing. Clang, clang, clang. Bong, bong, bong. And folks, this was a call to the heathen Goddess, the sexual god of that day, 
And when they heard that tingling and that clanging and that sounding brass, they knew what that awful call was. And he said, if you speak in tongues of men and angels and have not love, you're just a clanging cymbal. That's pretty blunt. I'm glad it's in the Bible so I can read it. Look at verse 2. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And so, folks, listen, There's the love is higher than the sensational. And I'll tell you what, love is higher than the spectacular. You might be very versed. You might know a lot of Bible. You might think you can pray. If you don't have love in your family and love in your heart and love for others and love for those un unlovable people that bother you in their lifestyle, I have a hard time with that. Then you're nothing. Zero. Look at verse three. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor and though I give my body to burn and have not charity, it profiteth nothing. Oh, friend, listen, love is higher than the sensational. Love is higher than the spectacular. And last but not least, love is higher than the sacrificial. When love is absent, the Christian life is no better than the heathen. Verse 1. He's nothing. Verse 2. And he can expect nothing. Verse 3. Regardless what other things about your your ambitions and your abilities and your gifts. That's what Paul's saying. Without love, it is all a waste of time. And so, folks, I believe that Paul put it pretty straight in a very difficult church. He said seven minus one equals zero. Eloquence, prophecy, Mystery, interpretation, knowledge, faith, feeding the poor, and martyrism without love is zero. What an emphasis. Amen? What an emphasis. And then I see number two, and I'll get into this a little bit and continue it next Sunday. If Brother Ellis can't continue if he can't make it tonight, I'll continue it tonight. <clears throat> Verse 4 through 12, we see love's description. Verses 4 through 12, we see love's description. Now, I, I, I dealt with this verse 4 for too long, I know. <clears throat> but folks, I want to tell you something. Love is patient. Love is patient. That's one of the long-suffering means put it far away from you from quitting. Love does not retaliate. That's the world. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. You say bad things against me, I'll say bad things against you. I'm talking about in the home. I'm talking about in marriage. Love suffers long. Stephen's a beautiful example of this type of love. In Acts chapter 7, I don't have time to go there. Y'all read it sometime. <clears throat> Verse 54 through 60. But the greatest example of love is from our Lord as far as long-suffering. Folks, he died on the cross for you. And what was his reaction? Father, forgive them. 
for they know not what they do. John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. I mean, on the cross, love is dying in your place. Thank God. Love is long-suffering. Then number two, <clears throat> love is kind. You know what kindness is? As I said, loving kindness is mentioned 175 times in the Old Testament. Love, love is kind. Genuine love is never hateful, but it respects others and reaches out to them. I'm going to tell you something that's killing, killing, killing the marriage in America and everywhere. Lack of respect. You lost that love and feeling. Whoa, 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 yeah. Righteous brothers. I would sing it, but y'all would fire me. Because I preach against that kind of music, don't I? But folks, I want to tell you something. Love is actively good. You ought to be good to your wife. You ought to be good to your husband. You ought to be good to your children. Here's a chance for all you old people to say amen. You ought to be good to your parents. I got one amen, praise God. That's what I taught first lesson. Be patient. Be kind. And folks, I want to tell you something. You'll never find any more loving kindness in your life than through the Holy Spirit when you fail when you're down, the good Lord comes by and is kind to you. He don't kick you out of his family. Those that believe you can lose your salvation, I feel sorry for you. Because I'm going to tell you something, my loving, kind God never gives up on me. He's a father that never disowns me. He's, a, hey, he's, he's the groom and I'm the bride and he never divorces me. I'm going to tell you something, friend, I'm secure in his love. I'm secure in his love. And I'm secure in what he did at the cross of Calvary, that it's enough to save me, sustain me, and keep me through all eternity. Then love envieth not. You know what that means? Verse 4. It's not jealous. Instead of being jealous when others prosper and excel, you ought to love them and love that they please God. That they're honoring God. Jealous is one of the vilest sins to harbor in your heart. Eve was jealous of God. Eve had everything that could be imagined. She had, the, uh, she had God even. She had paradise. She had a perfect husband. Amen? I don't even think she had a mother-in-law. No, I shouldn't have said that. Amen. And she had everything. And what caused her to sin? Jealousy. The devil came and said, yay, you can be God. She said, I think I will. And it cost her everything. And that's what sin and jealousy will do. Vaunted not itself. Love does not brag. It does not draw attention to yourself. Love does not have to be the center of attention. You will drain your mate if you want to get all your significance from her, men, 
The only way you can get significance is from God. And ladies, you will drain your husband if all you can get is security from him. Oh, I got to be secure. You got to make more money. You shouldn't have married him for his money. You should have took a loan out at the bank. Amen. I'll get that later. Anyway, you'll drain your mate if you're trying to depend upon him for fulfillment or her for fulfillment. You've got to get it from the Lord. You've got to realize how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. And so we vault not ourselves. We don't demand. We're not puffed up. You know what puffed up Christians are? Arrogant and prideful. And folks, pride was the original sin. Pride is the root of every sin. By the way, the middle letter of sin is I. I want my way. You will destroy your life living your way and getting your way. And you will drain your mate. You will ruin your marriage. And you will distort your children's sense of values if you live just for I. We must live for his glory. We must be filled with the word and filled with the spirit and filled with love. Amen. This message is going to pick up in a minute. It's not puffed up. Sounds like Paul's being a little negative. No, Paul was just putting it straight. Folks, we got to know what's wrong before we can get right. It's wrong to be full of pride. You think this party's all about you. Is that right, Miss Linda? You're so vain, you think this party's all about you. I thought it was, no, it's about your, it's, you think this song's all about you. Thank you, I got it right. My theme song when I was a teenager. I'm so vain, I think this song is about me. God has a way of humbling you, amen? When you don't walk 11 months of your life and lose your scholarship and lose your ability to walk, God knows how to humble you. He knows how to discipline you. He knows how to whip you. Not because he wants to hurt you, he wants to help you get over yourself. Amen. He wants to humble you so he can get the glory through your life. Maybe this COVID-19's been a humbling for America. Have we learned anything? I don't know. Has the world learned anything? We ought to learn one thing. We need God. And he still loves us. He still cares. Let me just go on and hurry. Verse 5. I get nervous when it don't move quick when I preach. Sometimes you've got to be still and know, the God, know that God is love. Does not behave itself unseemly. Vaunted not itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Folks, love's never rude. Some people think it's cute to be rude. But folks, I want to tell you something. We need to treat others with compassion, consideration, and respect. Genuine love always makes Jesus look good. Amen? Not somebody else look bad so you can look good. Say amen. You know, most people with a critical spirit, they're just insecure. When I was being brought up as a kid, I became very insecure. And then when I got married, it drifted into my marriage and I became a critical person and I became a demanding husband and God had to break me from that or I wouldn't be your pastor today. Connie probably wouldn't be with me. 
does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Love's not self-centered. It's never selfish. No getting anything out of this? Love ever gives, forgives, outlives, and ever stands with open hands while it lives, it gives. For this is love's prerogative, to give and to give and to give. And may I close? You say, I wish you would. You cannot give out of emptiness. My daddy used to have an old saying, you can't pump water from a dry well. I didn't know what in the world he was talking about. <clears throat> and then he got saved, he found out what it was. When you get saved, you get a well of a springing of love and joy and peace and his presence that fulfills you to overflowing. And God never fills you for filling. This young couple, April 10th, Katie says, oh no, he's going to embarrass me. I'm not, I promise you. April 10th, they had a beautiful wedding. And you know something? <clears throat> they had an invitation at the end of their wedding. They came back in, sat on the front row with that beautiful dress and um, tuts or whatever you had on. They sat there and listened to the preacher preach and somebody got saved. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. When they made their vows, they didn't make their vows to fill with honor and respect. What is it? In sickness and in health, for better, for worse. They didn't make a vow to fill that way. They made a vow to choose that way of love, to honor, to respect, to love in sickness and health. What is it? Uh, sickness and health. To death do us part. They weren't making a vow of feelings, even though they felt real good. <clears throat> I mean, Hunter wouldn't stop smiling the whole service, amen? He knew he was marrying up. Praise God. That's good. I did too. I smiled like a blue jay sitting in a tree when she walked that aisle. You know, I've never seen an ugly bride walk down the aisle. Have you? Well, maybe. Uh, no, I haven't. That's why I put that veil over their face. No, not really. But folks, those vows are not I pledge and commit to feel and love all my life. No, it has nothing to do with feelings. It has everything to do with choosing and yielding and let the Spirit of God be who He is through you and praise God, it's called a holy marriage, it's called holy vows, it's called a spiritual oneness, it's much better than marriage and friend, I'm gonna tell you something, you're living beneath your privilege if you're living in the flesh. Number five, verse five, it's not easily provoked. Strike one, strike two, strike three. That's, you're out. That's not marriage. That's baseball. You don't sit in action and watch the Braves. But I want to say this. We ought to be willing to endure injury, slight, hurt. Love does not demand its own rights. It's willing to yield to to the will of others, if it's in the will of God. And let me just sum it up. Love forgives. I want you to turn to Ephesians 4.32, and I promise you I'll close. Take this up next week. Y'all mark your Bible so you'll know where I'm 
started and won't review too much. I'm serious about this this morning. Without love, we're nothing. I didn't say the way you love. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about feelings. I'm not talking about sex. I'm not talking about sensual. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about spiritual oneness. I'm talking about God in you, through you, to touch your mate. Ephesians chapter, go everywhere preaching Christ. Got it right that time. I want you to look at verse 30. Oh, let's just back up verse 29, Ephesians 4, 29. How many is interested in this? Wake that that fellow up next to you. But it says this, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed in the day of redemption. I said it was going back to verse 29, didn't I? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is the use of edifying. You know what edifying means? Building up. So many people are so insecure, they're afraid to build somebody up. Look at this. It says that it may minister what? Grace to the hearer. Who hears you more than anybody else? Your wife, your husband, your children. And so the greatest ministry you have is your home. The greatest ministry you have is to your wife. The greatest ministry you have is to your husband because it's a ministry of grace. And if it's not right in home, it's not right here. If you're not happy around the breakfast table as we were yesterday morning, (laughs) what food? Anyway, around the breakfast table, if it ain't right, it's not gonna be right around the Lord's supper table. You can't just pump it up. There's a couple that fussed all the way to church because Junior lost his socks. They couldn't find him, so they just put his shoes on without his socks. That's okay. Come, come as you are. We'll buy you some socks. And they, and they fussed and fought over fi- looking for those socks all the way to church. And then they got out of the car, and they came through the door, and they said, hey, Brother Daryl, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. They got on the back row and they started singing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. I mean, it was eloquent. Little Johnny looked at little Susie and said, my word, there's something magical about this building. As soon as mom and daddy walked in, they started praising God and loving each other. They ought not be. I love each other at home when nobody's around. Look at verse 30, and I close. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God where, where you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, that means bitter in here, don't raise your hand because we know it. Bitterness turned out to anger. Bitterness turned in to depression. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Does that sound like home to you? Be put away from you with all malice. And here's the key. And be ye, say the next word with me, class, kind one to another. What's the next word? Tenderhearted. What's the next word? Forgiving one another. What's the standard? Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Love is not easily provoked. And love forgives. I would 
wager if I was a betting man, and I'm not, but there's many people that have fussed all the way to church. And they've come into church and tried to put in a little smile and sing a little song. But there was a deadness in your heart. Folks, what we need is a revival of kindness. A revival of forgiveness. What we really need is a revival of love. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for how you spoke to my heart this weekend. and I just want to share it with the rest of the church. That your love is enough. <clears throat> Lord, your love is so fulfilling. And your love is so unselfish and so giving. God, your love is so kind. I believe, Lord, we're guilty of taking each other for granted. And Lord, most important of all, we're guilty of taking your presence for granted in our homes. So, Lord, send a revival of love. Help us, Lord, to never leave our first love. And help us never to forget Calvary. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Have me say, preacher, I need more of his love. I need to yield more to his love. I have his spirit, but sometimes I quench the spirit through bitterness. I quench the spirit for not, for not, not forgiving others. I quench the spirit by not rejoicing in the Lord and complaining and being, being down and out and blue and sad and depressed. I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to yield my life to God's love and I want to be a blessing to my, 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 my dear wife or dear husband. I want to really be a blessing to my children and I want to be a blessing to everybody that's lost. They might see the proof positive evidence of Christ's aliveness in my life, the love of God. And that's your prayer this morning. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? i got to raise both mine. i got to raise both mine. I need a daily revival of kindness, a daily revival of optimism, faith, because love never faileth. Is there anyone here to say, Preacher, my heart's broken this morning? Because I know someone that uh, is leaving God out of his life. I'm afraid his family is going to fall apart. I believe his kids are going to grow up and not have a respect for God and the things of God. And I'm burdened for some other couple. I'm burdened for some other family. The love of God is never released through any of the beings because they're putting other things first, including themselves. I'm burdened. I'm burdened for them to have the love of God in their life. And you'll pray for others this morning. That's what church is all about, praying for others. Would you slip your hand up on their behalf right now? You know a couple. You know, hey, listen, I got a nephew that I'm, I'm breaking my heart, breaking my heart, how he's wasting his life. He's tried three or four marriages. Nothing's worked out. Uh, I, I'm just afraid something bad's going to happen in his life if you don't get right with God. Anybody else? Praying for somebody else. Yes, I see those hands. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. I know we're later than we usually are, but God, I didn't know how to cut this short. Lord, I, I really wanted you to speak to hearts 
And I want you to be just to be be spirit-filled, loving Christians at home and wherever we might go. God, help us to die to self this morning. Help us, God, to be saved if we're lost. God, help Christians to die to self and be filled to overflow with your love. And we're going to thank you and praise you for how you use us to reach those couples that we're burdened for. In Jesus' name, amen.